Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You resisted him, and what happened? He fleed from you. He went away from you. And folks, that's what we need to do. Never give in. Never give in. Whatever short pleasure it is, it is never worth the shame and the heartache of sinning against God and sinning against other people, sinning against yourself. Resist him, and he will flee from you. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, Resist the Devil and His Temptations. Welcome to our Bible study for today. Pastor Rob finalizes Peter's first epistle and gives us an explanation on how to resist the temptations of the evil one. Peter says that we should remain steadfast in our faith. The secret of spiritual warfare is simple, steadfast resistance. As we turn from any temptation that surfaces, we must remember that Jesus is our refuge and protector. James tells us, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw nearer to God, and he will draw nearer to you. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And you think about David here. Do you think that the enemy of his soul was not looking for his weakness? Do you, do, do you know that before this event happened, the devil was already knowing, had a strategy to set this man up, this great king, one of the best kings that Israel had ever had. Certainly wasn't without sin. We know that he committed this sin of, of, of adultery. And then he killed Uriah the Hittite, her Bathsheba's husband, to hopefully cover up this pregnancy, and then marry her, and then you know, do all this quickly so it appear like this child maybe was from before. He's trying to cover up his sin. Do you think that the devil hatched that plan on the spot? No, he'd probably been setting it up for a while. And the Bible doesn't really tell us about Bathsheba, about where her heart was, but is it possible that she knew David was home? She knew perhaps he wasn't out on the battlefield? Don't you think that she probably knew perhaps that he often like to go out on the top and get a fresh air, you know, at the top of his palace and walk around. Handsome man, talented, gifted, full of power, authority. And there she was. And the devil just sets these things up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And do you think that the devil hadn't studied David? I think he'd been studying him for a long time. And that's why it's so important that we walk circumspectly, that we, we really walk soberly and vigilantly. Uh, vigilantly. Is that the right word? <laughs> we've got to be vigilant, and we've got to be sober. We've got to stop 
going on autopilot and think purposely about things. Because it's so easy for me to get in autopilot. Can anyone bear witness to that? It's easy to be in, 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 in just autopilot. Be purposeful in everything you do. Think about it ahead of time. It requires a little more effort, but you've got to start thinking. We all need to start thinking because there's brothers that I know, men in the pulpits in, in this country, who have fallen. God still loves them and, and, you know, and everything, but these things don't have to happen. Pray for me. Pray for yourselves. Pray for the elders. That none of this stuff would happen. That we'd have eyes wide open and hearts blazing for Christ. That we would only desire Him more than anything else. In Second in First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen, it says, "No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it." See, God gives you the tools necessary to resist the devil. You remember what happened to Job. Job had seven sons and three daughters. He had a multitude of sheep and livestock. Very faithful man in all of his house. He was a wonderful man. And it says in verse 6 of Job chapter 1, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. These are angels, these sons of God. They came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also coming among them. Did you know that Satan still has access to the throne of God even today? Just as he did back here, that's kind of un- blows our mind to think that there is uh, the devil has access to the throne of God, but he does. One day he's going to be cast out. We know that in the book of Revelation, in Revelation, uh, uh, I think it's chapter twelve. But notice what happens. <laughs> they came to present. Satan came along with him, and the Lord said to Satan, "From where do you come?" And so Satan answered the Lord and said, "From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it, to seeking whom I may devour." And the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? He's faithful. He's a wonderful man. He loves me with all of his heart. He loves his kids. He even sacrifices for them just in case they've sinned. He makes sure that they're covered. Have you considered him? You know, there's a part of me that doesn't like that. Because remember, the devil is on a rope. He is not a free agent. He's a created being, and God uses him for his own purposes. The devil doesn't know that. All he wants to do is destroy. He doesn't understand the end. He's not omniscient. He can't understand what the end of Job was going to be. He didn't understand what the end of David was going to be. All he was bent on is destroying, because he knows his days are few. He knows where he is going. He knows that. He knows his day is few. That's why he's so filled with rage. And when he comes down to the earth in the great tribulation period, along with all the angelic hordes, believe me, it's going to be ugly. But he didn't know. He doesn't know the end from the beginning like God does. So God uses him as a tool in his, in his tool belt to refine us, to teach us, to, to, to encourage us, not to destroy us. Why would he do that to Job? To make Job, uh, to see, watch Job flail and to go through all the pain that he went through and all the heartache? No, God knew the end of the story. God knew that he would restore Job physically. God knew that he would restore his sons and his daughters and all of his livestock. He would get double from what he started with. God knew that. The devil didn't know that. The devil wanted to take his life. God says, you can do all these things to him, but you cannot touch his life. 
And that was happy enough for the devil. He's like, great, at least I got to kill somebody. At least I can destroy something. That's his mind. But God knows the end from the beginning. He knew the refining process that this would take Job through. He knew what it would do in David's life. Even though David was never quite the same man again, he had deep waters, let me tell you. And when you read the Psalms, you're reading the deep waters that David went through. It's God using all things for the good to them that love him, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Even the mistakes, even the sin issues, all those things. God says, well, you know what? I know you're going to go through it. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to allow it to happen because there's a lesson here, son, daughter, that you need to learn. And it's going to be a lesson that you're going to learn well and you're going to share it with others. And it's going to be a good thing. I'm going to allow you to go through this. You're not going to like it. There's a weakness in you. I want to refine that. And I'm going to allow the devil. I'm going to allow this. But just as he said to Peter, the devil has asked to sift you, Peter, as wheat. But I've prayed for you. And when you've been converted, comfort your brethren. Right? Even Peter himself wasn't exempt from this. So when you go through difficulties, know that God is on the other end regardless of how horrible it may be. God is working it out for you, Christian. Can you see it? Are you willing to see it? Or are you just in your pity party thinking, woe is me, I might as well just give up. I might as well just go back to, you know, Hinduism. I might as well just forget this whole thing. Or are you going to trust God in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your trial, whatever it might be, Jesus said, in Matthew 26, uh, Jesus said to them, he says to his disciples, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And that's exactly what happens. The shepherd gets struck, and people scatter. The devil thought he did a great job. He had no idea the end of, of all of this. He probably knew of the scriptures, certainly, but he was so filled with rage, he couldn't even pass up the opportunity. Even if he knew that Christ, the prophecies of Psalm 16 or Psalm 69 about Jesus rising from the grave, the temptation was so great, he couldn't stand it. He had to put in the hearts of the religious leaders of Pilate himself to crucify the Son of God. And that's a kind of malevolence that is just... Pathetic. So he says, resist him. We're in 1 Peter 5, verse 9 now. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. Satan is to be resisted. In James chapter 4, we read about it a few months ago. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You resist him long enough, he will flee from you. Trust me, I know this from my own personal experience. There have been times where I've caved in, and you're no different. There have been times you've been tempted, something has come along, and you've caved in. You didn't even resist it, because whatever it is, it felt good. It could be a drink. It could be a marijuana cigarette. It could be an adulterous relationship. It could have been any number of things, any number of vices. But for whatever reason, you just caved in. And there's other times where you fought the good fight, and you got on your face, and you prayed. And ten minutes later, the feeling was gone, and you were delivered. Have you ever experienced that? You resisted him, and what happened? He fleed from you. 
he went away from you. And folks, that's what we need to do. Never give in. Never give in. Whatever short pleasure it is, it is never worth the shame and the heartache of sinning against God. And sinning against other people. Sinning against yourself. Resist him and he will flee from you. Jesus resisted the devil in Matthew chapter 4. It talks about him resisting the devil against all of these different things that the devil was going to promote him or encourage him to do. Oh, turn these stones into bread. You're the son of God. You're the son of God. Turn them in. You've been fasting for 40 days and 40. You've got to be hungry. How about some water? Would you like some Gatorade? Let me show you all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus. I'm the ruler of this world. I'll show you all the kingdoms, and if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. Just for one, just bow, just once. We'll get it on video, we'll replay it. We'll put it on YouTube. And each time, what did the Jesus do? He rebuked him with scripture. Notice, it wasn't a, a fist fight, it wasn't a bunch of mind games. No, out of Deuteronomy, one book, Jesus refuted the devil on all those different levels, from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jump off this pinnacle of the temple, and the angels will raise you up, as it says in the Psalms. And the Lord says, it also says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. Right? Quoting again from Deuteronomy, the devil wanting to trip up even the Son of God, but resist him. Resist him. And then in verse 10, Peter goes into the benediction, which is really just an ending. And he says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, notice, you're still going to go through suffering. May he perfect you, make you mature. May he establish you, may he strengthen you, and then settle you. What a great thing to be perfected, to be mature, to be established, to be strengthened, and then ultimately to be settled. Do you have the peace of God this morning? You can have peace. You can have the peace of God if you have peace with God. Have you made the peace? Has the score been settled of sin and rebellion once and for all? It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to walk out and be sinless. No, you're still going to make mistakes, but you're going to sin less because you're going to have the Spirit of God saying, don't do that. I've given you power over that. You don't need to do that anymore. You're right, I don't. But he says, may the God of all grace who called us by his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, we don't like suffering. I don't like suffering. But I notice that it's, it's necessary sometimes. It's just part and parcel of living on this earth and this fleshly bone and body that we have. It's just part of it. Suffering. Jesus was acquainted with grief. He suffered. And we are enemies. We are on enemy territory, folks. Is this earth all that you want? Is this earth all that you have? Let me tell you, There's going to be a thousand years that we're going to rule and reign with Christ in Jerusalem. On this earth, on this physical earth in Jerusalem, coming soon to a theater near us. And then afterwards, it's all going to dissolve, and then we're going to be with him forever in a new heavens and a new earth. That's what the Bible says. 
Verse 11, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then finally at the end he says, by Silvanus. Silvanus is just Silas. Remember Paul's companion in his second missionary journey? We believe this is the same man. Silas, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. This whole letter, in fact, Silas was the amanuensis, or the, the one who would write and, and, and be uh, transcribing what Peter would tell him to write. She who is in Babylon, verse 13, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Babylon very well could have just been a code name for Rome for, to protect Peter and also to protect maybe the church there. He would say Babylon when it was actually Rome. We know that Peter was in Rome, and so was Paul. They were imprisoned in the Mamertine prison. I've actually, uh, uh, 1990, I got an opportunity when I was over in Europe to see the prison. It's near the Roman Forum, and you can see the Mamertine prison where they imprisoned Peter and Paul. It's still there. And then he says, Mark, my son. And this is John Mark, the author of the, the Gospel of Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, who was evidently in Rome at this time. He says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters, you know. Be encouraged that even though you are being watched, there is one greater who is watching over you. You are not some pawn in some galactic battle. Actually, you are, but... You've got the one on your side. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, Satan. Greater is he that is in you. If you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer this morning, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to fear. He is a defeated foe, and one day God is going to cast him into the lake of fire. And there he will be forever into eternal torment. I'm looking forward to that day. (laughs) But I'm looking forward more to being with Christ. Because when we're with him, everything else is going to be pale in comparison. We're not going to be looking and peering over and finding out, well, who's down there? Who's in the lake of fire? Believe me, when you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, read the first couple chapters of Revelation and see the description of Jesus in his glorified state. His, His hair is white as lightning. His eyes like a flame of fire. His feet like polished brass. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just crazy. Let your heart get taken away with that. That's the being who spoke all things into existence. That's the being who went to the cross. That is the one who died for you and me on the cross. That is the one who who the plan was made before the foundation of the world to to be sacrificed The plan was already made before Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Before that verse even occurred, the plan was already hatched. It was already in place. God knowing very well, because he cannot learn anything, because he knows all things. He knew what would happen in the garden. He knew what the devil was up to. And he uses him as a tool. And boy, does the devil hate that but it's the mystery of iniquity. And doesn't it keep us from being too loose in this world? 
because we're aware of the danger, and it's good for us to do that. We need to be aware. We need to be sober and vigilant. We need to be careful. And more than anything, rather than wondering about what the devil is going to do, believe me, don't get caught in that trap, and we're going to end here. Don't get caught in the trap of being always so consumed about what he's doing. You get focused on him, believe me, your life is going to be depressing. (laughs) But when you think about Jesus, there's no way. You're going to be be bothered by that stuff. I believe that when we get, have our focus on him, the Lord just says, well, I'm not going to let anybody, I'm, I'm, you know, our, our gaze is on him. Our eyes are in his word. Our, our mouths are in prayer. Our heart is engaged. We're in fellowship together. There's no time for anything else. There's no time for playing games like those two gazelles. There's no time for fighting and bickering among one another. There's only time to worship. There's only time to get into the word and know him. And to let him know you. And to have him transform your life. Is there anything greater than that? I don't know, is there? I don't know, is there? Ah, yeah. There's nothing greater, folks. Let's walk it. Let's live it. Let's decide today. Make the determination today, not tomorrow, today. Lord, I'm going to dedicate my life again to you. I'm going to put away my, my filthiness. I'm going to put away the things that I know are grieving you. I'm going to put away my petty arguments. And I'm going to follow you with my whole heart. Make that determination today and it will be the greatest day of your life. And it will be the beginning. It will be the worst day of your life because it only gets better from here as a Christian. Isn't that cool? You make the determination today. It's the worst day. Because every day, you're going to be walking closer to him. And the glory, even through trials, the glory and the praise is going to be yours. And he's going to be leading you along the way. There's no greater deal than that. Is there any other savior like that? Is there any holy guru on some mountain in Tibet that can give you that? Sorry. Nothing. Only Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Sorry to keep you uh, late. Next week we'll start in the second epistle where Peter will be talking to us about false teachers, which there's none of that happening today in the church. There's, uh, there's no false teachers and false messiahs and people doing stuff like that. It doesn't really happen in America. Yes, it does. It'll be a timely letter for us all, so let's, let's give him thanks. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we look forward to what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would bless my brothers and sisters, that you would cover them, Lord, each one of them, that you would set a divine hedge of protection around every single one in here, in the families that are represented here. Lord, there's those of us in this, in this room who have unsaved family members. We have prodigals. Lord, there are children who are playing the game, Lord, that have been taking the bait of the devil and running with it. Lord, with the music and the drugs and the sex and the alcohol and everything else, God, would you please, Lord, in your mercy, draw them back? Would you please seal each one of us? Please continue to cleanse us from all of these things, Lord, and more importantly, help us to keep our eyes on you and not on all the wicked stuff of this world, Lord. May our focus be blazing toward you, Father, single toward you, And Lord, change us, please, Holy Spirit. Make us aware. Make us sober and vigilant. Keeping our eyes on you. For we know that the days are evil. 
But Lord, you are awesome in power. And there's no one like you, Lord. To you be the praise and the glory now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob begins a study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.